Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp, Bob. I hope you're ready for the next episode. I also hope that you got your galoshes and your raincoat on as we're recording a couple of weeks in advance before you hear this as boot campers sitting in the cone of uncertainty. You come down to Florida, Bob. One, I'm going to treat you to a few good restaurants. Yep. I think I've done that. Yep. And then two, you have now experienced the real Florida experience on the cone of uncertainty during hurricane season. Absolutely. I want a t-shirt that says the cone of uncertainty. I I imagine that exists somewhere. I have a quick Google search. I can just about guarantee you somebody <laughs> has made that shirt. Well, I'm excited to be here. It seems like every time that I'm supposed to come to Florida to speak at an association event in Gainesville, the hurricane follows me here. Well, you know, you were supposed to speak at our association one time and COVID hit. I maybe I've got a Florida curse. I think maybe you just shouldn't speak at associations in Florida. I'll just handle those. Whenever you get those calls, you, we don't want any more disasters. No, well, you know, I didn't. I did have a successful trip probably five years ago now or more. Went over to see uh, Andy Jordan over at the Swanee Baptist Association. Yeah, I love those guys. And uh, great, great time over there. He's such a, a fun guy and a gracious man. And uh, so that was my first venture into the Florida panhandle for business and actually for business in Florida. I guess I've been to conferences and stuff here, but it was fun. And Jimbo, I found the best Waffle House in North America in Live Oak. Well, how about that? Florida. Okay. All right. I've never been to that one, but I'll have to hit it up next time. There's not a lot in Live Oak, so. <laughs> no, that was about it. It's a winner though. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we want to continue to dive into Wisdom and Leadership by Craig Hamilton, but Bob, I promise you, we're not going to cover every chapter of Wisdom and Leadership. <laughs> Thank you. Because there's 78 chapters in Jimbo, I would be 78 by the time we finished it. Yes, there are 78 chapters. We're not going to cover all 78. We spent the last two episodes in chapter nine. Today, I want to cover chapter 10 in just one episode. I think we can do it. But I think it's an important concept for us to think through and for boot campers to think through. As I've been reading it, uh, man, I highly recommend it. Again, it's put out by Matthias Media, same group that published Charles and the Vine, recommended to me by the Happy Huggy Halleck. Great book, friend. Great book. It's a really good book. So, so much of what I've read so far, I haven't even finished it because it's 78 chapters. It's going to be a while. There's short chapters mostly, which is good for me, but there aren't any pictures. So much of what I've read has been impactful. So you may hear of it a few more chapters down the road, but... Not all of them. Chapter 10 really stood out to me is one I want to discuss with the post, with the, the podcast today, because as you look at it, I love the way that he starts the chapter when he says, one of the primary tools we use in Christian ministry is our own hearts. And if you think about it, he talks about how if you are a carpenter, then you use a hammer. And if the hammer breaks, then you fix the hammer, get a new hammer. If you are a writer, whatever utensil or medium you use to write, if you're an artist, whatever you like, that's your tool. Well, our leadership abilities aren't actually the primary tool that we use as pastors. It's our heart. And one of the things that can kind of mess up our heart is when it comes to how we think about our relationship between who God wants us to be and what God wants us to do. So today, that's what I want to dive into, Bob, is really those two ideas, who God wants us to be and what God wants us to do. I'm really glad we're talking about this because I think in, in the context of recent days and years, 
what we've seen is we've seen some some pastors, you know, not make it. Yeah. And publicly. And a lot of it has to do not with their skill, their hands and their preaching ability. It has to do with what's going on inside of them. So this is a really important topic for us to talk about. Yeah, we're going to end up covering three dangers of approaching this wrongly. And and Bob, we've seen at least very public versions, I think, of the first two dangers. But we've all encountered pastors. I know both of us have encountered pastors that have lived out all three of these dangers. And it's seasons. I think probably both of us have experienced these in seasons. And I think you're going to in ministry experiences in a season. There's a difference between there being a season and you addressing it and it being the prolonged way that you approach ministry. Yeah, it's a good perspective. I think we have some guys probably that are weary a little bit and tired and maybe struggling. And so if you're listening to this and you're in a season of struggle, please don't despair and immediately think I've got to quit and resign. <laughs> like just part of ministry is hard. Like it's going to leave a mark. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and Croft said at the summit, uh, man, you're going to have to learn how to live with a broken heart gracefully. And, yeah. And so there is part of ministry that hurts and you get knocked down, but just get back up. And so if you're in a down season, brother, please don't don't let this discourage you. Just let it inform you maybe about some things that would be helpful for you to process and think through. Yeah, Hamilton would argue there's really two major mistakes that we can make when thinking about this relationship between who God wants us to be and what God wants us to do. The first two areas is being so separate that they have little or nothing to do with each other. When we separate these ideas, as if there's no correlation between who God wants us to be and what God wants us to do. And then the other the third danger comes from the second error, which would be to overlap and to see who we are and what we do is completely overlapping or even as being exactly the same thing. And so out of those two mistakes, uh, wrong ways that we can approach this, there are three main dangers. So Hamilton says getting the relationship between getting the relationship wrong between who God wants you to be and what he wants you to do cashes out in three main dangers. So let's take them one at a time, Bob. One separation leads to thinking ministry is just a job. Hamilton says, somewhere along the way, you have stopped being a shepherd of the sheep because you're willing and you have become a hired hand because it's what you do. And you're not sure you can do anything else. Me and Jimbo, I think we probably both have had Sundays where we think, if I could be doing anything else, I'd like to be doing that. Absolutely. Right now. Absolutely. You know, you're like just thinking, I've got to preach this weekend, or I've got to go to this deacon's meeting, or I've got to do this outreach event. And you might be exhausted. You might have endured lots of conflict. And so your heart is hurting from whatever you've experienced. And sometimes your heart's hurting, not just because of church stuff, but of family stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Maybe your parents are struggling with their health, or maybe... You've got a kid that's rebelling, or maybe you have a marital issue, right? Or something going on and and you're just struggling. Maybe a friend of yours is is not doing well. And so you sometimes have to minister with a heart that's hurting, mm-hmm. right? And the problem is, is if you shut that heart down and you stop feeling, and this is, I, I was in counseling when I um, uh, was actively in, involved in, in ministry on a regular basis. And so gone through a season of hurt and one of the the aspects of it was, I was just like, man, I just don't want to feel anymore. I don't want to hurt anymore. Yeah. And the counselor looked at me and said, well, welcome to ministry. <laughs> you know? And he goes, what, let's think through what the consequences are if you just shut your heart down, right? Yeah. Well, that means ministry is a job for you. 
Yeah. It, you don't feel like you don't. And again, we, you know, we've got some guys out there probably listening to see, like, they're not touchy feely guys. Right. But we're not talking about just being a, like a, just a, a total empath. What we're talking about is engaging the spiritual part of your life with passionate devotion and energy and direction that comes from your relationship with God that infuses and informs and infects your work. Yeah. Right. That's a great alliteration there. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I did study uh, preaching in seminary too. There you go. So you learned how to three points all at the same letter. And a car wreck story. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was only for a youth revival. Yes. So, I mean, look, there are times when you've got to gird up your loins and push through. I remember in a particular difficult season, and I may have told this story before, I went to the Cutting It Straight Conference at Shiloh Metropolitan, H.B. Charles, and my H.B. said, hey, man, sometimes ministry is just really hard. Here's what you do. When, when you wake up on a Sunday and you don't want to go to church, you put on your black suit, you stand in the pulpit, and you preach the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. And he said it in this way that just felt really empowering and and so at that point, I had kind of already moved away from wearing a suit and a tie every, every single Sunday. But that Sunday, Bob, I wore a black suit. <laughs> and I'm just this kind of guy. I was, it was such a hard time. I quoted it. I said, look, we're going through some hard times right now, and we got to push through. Here's some advice somebody gave me this week. H.B. Charles in our city said, some days you just put on the black suit, you stand in the pulpit, and you preach the Bible. So. Open your Bibles. That's what we're about to do. Yeah. And dove in, right? I didn't use it as a bully pulpit, but that it really empowered me. Now, that can't be your everyday. And if you, your result is going to be ineffectiveness. If your heart is disconnected and it's just a job, you will not be an effective shepherd. Your leadership abilities are not your primary tool. Your communication abilities are not your primary tool. Even your relational abilities are not your primary tool, your heart is your primary tool. Now, long-term, if if this is your approach, that ministry is just a job and you're the hired hand, long-term, your ministry will be taken away from you due to incompetence or moral failure. This is where that you're going to end up at a place. When you do it in your own strength and your own power, because it's just a job, you will end up either being fired because you're not good at your job or you will have a moral failure. Whether that moral failure gets exposed or not, I don't know but it'll happen. So good to, to put it that way in terms of saying what's at stake here, right? We have probably, between us and our listeners, have probably had jobs that were just a job, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like you just go, you clock in, you do what you're, you got to do, and then you leave. It doesn't matter what you think, how you feel, like you just, you do it. Like when I remember one of my first jobs was I was a checkout cashier at Walmart. Back in the day when you had to wear slacks and ties, it was amazing. And you certainly don't have to dress like that now at Walmart. No. Like, I don't think you have to be nice to work at Walmart. You really don't. <laughs> but yeah. We even just mostly just remove the cashiers and just, yes, let's just, let's have as little human interaction as possible. Yes. Let's let me tell you, Jimbo, I did not like that job. I didn't like it in any form or fashion. And I would clock in and I would do my job and I would clock out. Yeah. And I would leave there with a glee and happiness in my life because I was leaving a job that I did not like. You know, I, as a amateur sociologist, here's something I've observed. This, this, this works 99% of the time. All right. If for some reason you ever wanted to know what time a Walmart cashier gets off work, ask them this one question. How are you doing today? 
<laughs> Here's how every single Walmart cashier answers. I'll be doing much better at, and they tell you what time they get off. Huh. Yeah. Every time. I've, I've tested this for years. Oh, yeah. And it is consistent across generations, across ethnicities, and every sort of socio-demographic thing you could do. It's consistent. No matter the age, the race, or anything, you ask a Walmart cashier, what time you get, you don't say what time you get off work, you say, how are you doing? And you'll find out what time they get off work. Oh, there you go. Well, that's good insight. All right. So also, if you said, there's another way to separate. So one is to separate thinking in the ministry is just a job. The second error and danger is separation leads to thinking what you do is more important than who you are. And you can easily fall into this trap by becoming as Hamilton says, so busy doing what God wants you to do that you don't have the time or the brain space to be who God wants you to be. And he goes on to say, when you live like this, your heart begins to atrophy. You get weary of ministry. Your love for God and people begins to dim. People become obstacles and frustrations. And what you once thought important becomes more and more of a burden. Now, this leads to ineffectiveness, just like the first danger. But the long-term difference, whereas in the first danger, you'll probably get fired. In this one, you'll probably just burn out and walk away. Yeah, this is the burnout idea here that, man, I am just a person who does sermons, or I'm just a person who leads this meeting, or I'm just a, a person who you know facilitates student ministry or kids ministry, whatever you want to say, like whatever your role is. I, I think that you know, this would also lead to anger and frustration in the execution of ministry, like mm. living it out mm. and the implementation of it. Because if somebody gets in your way as you're trying to implement or do whatever it is that you feel like your job is to do, and that's all you feel like that you do, like you're going to get real frustrated. Yeah. Like this really stinks. I got to deliver this. I got to do this. I've got to run this program. And then if somebody messes it up somehow, which ministry is messy, yep. you're going to find yourself being to the point of anger and outburst. And so that's maybe a good diagnostic question to say, man, am I angry about my role and my job and my tasks when they get disrupted? Or do I see it as something that God is doing that is above the task that he's, mm. that I'm assigned to do right now? Yeah. Right. So sometimes ministry, the most important ministry is not the programmatic ministry. It's mm -hmm. the personal ministry that disrupts the program. Programmatic yeah. ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... The first two dangers come from the error of separation. And then the third danger comes from the error of overlap. Overlap leads to thinking what God has called you to do is what God has called you to be. And the danger here is kind of less about your pursuit of holiness and more about where you find your worth and your value. Hamilton says that you begin to equate how you're doing as a person with how things are going with your ministry. When you're a ministry, appears to be successful, your self-esteem rises. When your ministry is tanking, so does your sense of self. Now, this is a dangerous roller coaster ride, Bob. And Hamilton says, one of the things we've got to understand is joy in the highs and sadness in the lows, that's totally normal. But that's not the same as finding your worst in those successes or failures. That's a very different thing, though sometimes the line between the two can be very fine. Yeah. I think the way to maybe do a self-evaluation on this and some soul examination is to answer this question that I'll put a blank at the end of uh, the beginning of the phrase. I am a, and then complete that sentence, e. right? Because, so you might say, I'm a, I'm a pastor or I'm a student pastor, I'm a worship leader. Then 
you'd need to think, well, are you, how would you describe that? Are you successful? Are you less than? Are you struggling? You know, all of those sorts of things where we, where we tend to tie success to things that we can easily see like size and participation and, you know, all of those sorts of things. I think that if we pay attention to how we talk about ourselves, mm-hmm. particularly as we're engaged in the ministry of, that God's called us to in the church, how we evaluate that, how we feel about ourselves when we walk into a room of other pastors, that's going to be pretty telling to see if what we do has surpassed who we are in Christ, mm-hmm. right? And so we can walk into a room and say, I'm a beloved child of God. Like I'm a sinner that's saved by grace. I was once of the kingdom of darkness, but now I've been transformed and now I've been brought into the kingdom of light. I'm an adopted son or daughter. Like those are identity things. Anything else that you might say about yourself that's related to your role or your success in your role is really kind of a, it's your self-evaluation of, of your ministry. Now, that's not bad in the sense of we, we all need to have kind of an evaluative grid of our ministry, but that's not who we are. Yeah. That's not our value, right? So I'm not valuable to you because of all the things I do. Now, you may like the things I do. You may be benefit from them. You may be blessed by them. But my inherent value is transcendent above what I do Yeah, for you. So yeah. like as, as we've grown in our relationship and, and as we become friends, if one of us were to have a vocation change, our value to each other would, would transcend yeah. the transactional kinds of things. Yeah. Well, be great. If that's true for us, Jimbo, it's got to be true for us in our relationship with God. Absolutely. Yeah. Hamilton says that God assigns you your value and worth completely apart from what you do. Mm-hmm. Your value as a person has nothing to do with your ministry. God doesn't love you less when your ministry is tanking, and he doesn't love you more when all you do is win. There's This, this seems like a simple thing, but all three of these dangers, Bob, are really dangerous. And when our heart gets misaligned with who God has called us to be, and what he has called us to do, and there's not correct alignment there, it's, it's just not going to end well for you, for you, for the church, for anybody. And so it's so important. This is our axe if we're lumberjacks, or this is the sharpen the axe thing, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to sharpen the axe, then your heart is that axe. You have to figure out how to minister out of an overflow of your relationship with the Lord. And even during hard times, that's where you've got to lean into the Jane, what God says in James of take joy in tribulation. Let it be what brings you to the victorious and fruitful life as you learn to become more like him, as you deny yourself, die to self, and submit yourself to Jesus. Hamilton reminds us that it's not that it's not that who you are and what you do are completely unrelated and separate, because they are related. What you do flows out of who you are, what God does through you is based on and caused by what God has done and is doing in you. And he gives us this reminder in in Luke 10, 19 and 20, Jesus says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all authority of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, so this great, wonderful power they've been given, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. This is not where you rejoice in that I've given you this authority and this power to do these things, that the spirits are subject to you, But Jesus says, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And if you can just find peace there, man, that makes such a difference. Absolutely true. I love that. I had a saying that I used to share with guys that we were discipling and mentoring. And here's the thing that I think is developed in our culture that's not helpful or healthy. We get surprised when life gets hard, Mm. right? Like we have bought into, Christians have bought into the lie 
that if I'm living right, life is supposed to be easy. I mean, look at everywhere, look at, look at our culture, look at how we respond. And so one of the things that this verse talks about is that don't rejoice necessarily in what you can do and that life is going easy. Rejoice in the fact that God is working in you and through you. So here, here's a little phrase that I used to often say is God is always working around you. Yeah. So that's your life circumstances, that's your context, that's your situation, that's your relationships, that's your job. God's always working around you. God is also working on you through those things, right? So the person at church who just makes you insanely crazy, yeah. right? the, person, yeah. the person that's the contrarian, the person that always takes the counterpoint, et cetera, that person who just makes you frustrated. So God's working on you through those people in what he's doing in shaping what's happening around you. He does that so that he can work in you yeah. to develop patience, to develop Christ-likeness, whatever else that, you know, needs to be developed in you. God works around, God works on, God works in before he works through any, right? So if you are frustrated and feel like God is not doing great things through you, how about pulling back and saying, what is God doing around me? Yeah. What might he be doing, you know, on me? How's he working on me? What is he wanting to develop? How is he transforming me inside in my spiritual life? And those three things always precede God doing a great work through you. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important. Uh, Hamilton says, do not find your ultimate joy and worth in the, in the success of what God has sent you to do. Instead, rejoice in what God has made you to be, a child of the kingdom. He goes on to say, God has called you to be a disciple with other disciples, to go and make disciples. What God does through you flows from what God does in you, and what God does in you flows from what God has already done for you. I think this is one of the most important things we can discuss. And I, this is a deep issue. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there is a lot of like real danger if yep. you don't do this right. Uh, and we don't always, none of us do this right all the time. Right. But I think there's wisdom in evaluation and and maybe perhaps God has used this episode in you, Boot Camper, to help you cultivate some evaluation in this. And man, reach out to us, reach out to your associational leaders, take convention, somebody, and work through this. Because you can't, if your heart is misaligned on these things, you you cannot continue to effectively shepherd and lead. And you you got to address this. Absolutely. Your, your personal pain, whatever it may be, and whatever you think the source is always a window and could always be a window into your life and to see what God is, is wanting to do in you. Yeah. Right. And so what I would say is we know some of our boot campers are really struggling right now and they're hurting and they're frustrated. Right. What is God doing in the midst of that? What could he be doing? And I think this is a, the right question to ask. Like if you were to you were to sit down and tell me about all your woes and travails, you know, I'd listen to you. And then I would say, well, what do you think God might be doing yeah. around you yeah. or in you or all of those things? We always wanted to get the through to the yep. through, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we always want to get to the conclusion that Second Corinthians 1 gets to <laughs> where Paul says, all of this happened, yeah. right? right? So that we would not depend upon ourselves, but depend upon God. Like we want the clarity of that lesson. Yeah. At the beginning. And I don't think you get it at the beginning. No, you don't. I only think you get it at the end. But who you are at the end is 
a, a more humble, more Christ-like servant whom God can work through. That's so important, man. Yeah. Hey, boot campers, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, check out boot camp blog at the time of recording. We're just now assembling the team like Avengers and we're getting ready to save the world one blog at a time, taking the content that you get here and making it available to you the guys out there that prefer to read rather than listen. It's not my people, but I still love you. And so maybe you got a friend who's you've been telling about the boot camp and they're like, yeah, I don't really listen to podcasts. Well, now, at this point, we should have a blog up that you can point them to. Right. We're making blogs great again <laughs> here at the Boutima. And with that, we'll sign off. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.